Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Business Strategy. Today we're going to be discussing how strategy drives financial value. And if you remember back to episode one, where we talked about what is strategy, I mentioned that my approach to strategy is very unique because I believe that value is created at the intersection of strategy and finance. And that's my whole approach and my whole framework of strategy. And today I want to dive deeper into that so I can provide you with more detail and a greater understanding of how strategy actually works and how value is created at the intersection of strategy and finance. Strategy is all about making trade-offs because remember with strategy, if you just pursue everything, you don't really have a strategy. I like to think of it like this. Let's say you can only serve one type of tea to your customers and you think long and hard and you're like, well, I want to capture this customer segment. I want to grow revenue over here. I don't want to miss out on these potential opportunities. So I'm just going to make one type of tea and it'll be warm tea. And you serve it to customers who prefer hot tea and they think, what's this? It's warm tea. This is disgusting. And then you serve it to customers who like cold tea and they spit it out of their mouths and they think, why are you serving me warm tea? And so that's what strategy is about from a high level. It's about making trade-offs. It's determining what we will and what we won't do in order to pursue the optimal path. So if you try to serve warm tea to your customers, obviously you're not going to make either set very happy. And at best, you're going to just have this mediocre business model, which can easily be disrupted by competitors, especially in the space where competition is so intense. So strategy is all about making trade-offs to effectively leverage the resources that you have. Now, when it comes to a company's business model, a business model is driven by a series of activities that a company performs. So if you think about it, there are tons of activities that each company performs. Now, it's different for every single business. It's different for every type of industry. So for example, let's say you have a construction company. Your activities may include first business development. So you could go out there and find customers who want to build buildings. And then you may engage in pre-construction activities where you're designing, you're bidding, you engage in 3D modeling so you can understand what the building will actually look like. You go out and you do site visits, you do site layouts, you you know start construction. I mean, there are hundreds of activities that you perform to deliver the end product to the customer. Okay, so from all the way from pre-construction to construction to close out, all those activities are part of your overall strategy. Now, companies with these activities, they have two choices. They can perform different activities or they could perform the same activities, but differently. Okay, did you capture that? So you could perform different activities and that comes down to your where to compete decisions. And when you choose to perform different activities, you're trying to develop an advantage from an industry structure and position. You perform different activities because you're choosing to compete in a different segment, a different marketplace. Maybe you decide to build data centers and specialize on that versus your competitors who are building retail type assets. Okay. So that's a a positioning decision that is based on where to compete. 
Now, like I said, you can perform activities differently, the same activities, so you can compete still in the data center space, just like your other competitors, but instead your activities are different. Maybe you leverage technology or you use prefabricated components to skip a bunch of activities or whatever it may be, but you perform activities differently and therefore you're building an advantage from unique resources and capabilities. And this comes down to how to compete. In summary, you can choose where to compete or you could choose how to compete. Now, those two decisions will ultimately impact your profit. And this is where I get into the intersection of strategy and finance. When you make decisions on your go-to-market strategy and how you're going to compete, ultimately, you're determining what type of profit pool you have to work from. Now, profit is driven by revenue and then cost, and then you break it down further from there. But that's the essence of strategy, is the profitability that you're able to capture from the decisions that you make related to your strategy. I was at a conference once and I was speaking to a bunch of executives and there are over 300 executives in the room. And I asked them, I said, by a show of hands, how many of you believe you have a competitive advantage? And probably 80% of the room raised their hands in the affirmative that they believe that they had a competitive advantage. Now, by definition, a competitive advantage means you're able to earn higher than industry average profits. Okay, did you get that? A competitive advantage is measured by your firm's ability to earn higher than industry average profits. So some people may say, yeah, we have a competitive advantage. We're doing great. You know, we have people, there are competitive advantage, which people are not a competitive advantage, by the way. But they say, look, we, we have all these things that make us so unique and so differentiated. But then I ask them to look at their bottom line. And if they're not earning higher than industry average profits, well, they're just playing to play. So that's kind of a hard pill to swallow, but that's the fact of the matter. And that's the simplest way to determine whether or not you have a competitive advantage. Because what's the point of business if you're just playing to play? Now you could play to play and you could make a great living. You could build a fantastic business. However, to be truly excellent and to capture a competitive advantage and to build an enduring business, you need to figure out how to position your business, either from where to compete decisions or how to compete decisions in order to capture more value. Okay, so now that's the highest level of strategy and finance. I want to dive even deeper into this concept of value because value extends far beyond than just profits. So there are four pillars of value creation that I want to explain here. Number one, value is created by investing capital from investors, okay, from debt investors or equity providers to generate future cash flows at a rate of return that is greater than that cost of capital. So what do I mean by that? Whenever somebody is investing in a business, ultimately what you're doing is you're buying a machine that produces cash. Now, this is just a metaphor, obviously, but that's how I want you to look at a business. You're buying a machine that produces cash. Now, that machine may be an ice cream shop, or it may be a tech company, or it may be a construction firm, or a plumbing company, or a marketing firm, or a law office, whatever it may be, but you're buying a business that prints cash. Now, hopefully it prints cash, right? That's the whole point of it. It extends far beyond just profit. And the reason why I say that is because profit is just a generic way of saying, do you have a competitive advantage? However, profit is not the end all be all. 
because with accounting profit, there are a lot of other things that happen behind the scenes, okay, with working capital, for example, and capital expenditures that impact free cash flow. And that's really what we're trying to get into here. And I'm going to explain that in more detail in just a minute. But really, that's what value comes down to is it starts with profit. Okay. So you have to have profit and higher than industry average profits, hopefully, because you have some type of competitive advantage or you have a really good strategy, which allows you to capture more profits compared to your peers. But then from there, other things like the working capital and capital expenditures have to be appropriately managed in order to drive cash flow. Now, the concept of value can be explained very simply by the term intrinsic value. And this is what Warren Buffett, one of the greatest investors of all time, he uses this concept to make his business investment decisions. Intrinsic value is the discounted value of cash that can be taken out of a business during its remaining life. So going back to that metaphor of buying a cash flow machine, it's not about how much growth the company has. It's not about their PE ratio. It's not about this or that. It comes down to you put cash into the business and you're expecting that cash to come back to you at a higher return than you can achieve through alternative investments. Okay. Hopefully you're not too confused there, but let me explain that again. Intrinsic value is essentially saying when you're looking at the value of a business, it's the discounted value of cash. And the reason why I say discounted is because you have to account for the time value of money. Remember a dollar today is worth more than a dollar in the future because of opportunity costs, inflation, and so on and so forth. So it's the discounted value of cash today, today's value of cash that can be taken out of the business during the remaining life. So let me say this another way. Let's say you have a lemonade stand for simplicity's sake. And every year that lemonade stand produces $1 of cash, not profit. Remember, cause there's other things baked into profit. We're not talking about accounting profit. We're talking about straight up free cash flow after profit, after accounting for working capital, after accounting for capital expenditures. And every year that lemonade stand makes $1 of cash. Okay. In five years, it's going to make how much in cash? Well, $5, but a dollar in five years is not going to buy the same amount of goods and services that it can buy today because of inflation and opportunity costs, like I was mentioning. So therefore you have to bring that dollar in five years, that future dollar that you're going to get in, in year five back to today's value. And maybe it's only worth 70 cents today because the erosion of purchasing power and so on and so forth. So therefore you have $5 that the, the company is going to produce $1 a year for the next five years. You bring it back to today's value and maybe it's $4 and 25 cents considering the time value of money. I just made that up, but let's just say it's worth $4 and 25 cents right now today because of the erosion of purchasing power. Well, how much would you be willing to pay for this lemonade stand? Well, obviously you're not going to pay $10 for it because it's really cool. It has a great logo. It has, you know, this wonderful brand, it's ESG, all this stuff. You're not going to do that. You're going to pay <laughs> no more than the $4 and 25 cents unless you could buy the business, put in place a strategy and then grow that business. So you're making $2 or $3 or $10 in cash every single year. Okay. So that's what strategy is about. It's about driving greater value within an organization. Back to the pillars of value creation, that's what I mean by number one. Value is created when you invest capital from debt providers or equity providers to generate future cash flows 
at a rate of return that exceeds the cost of capital. So if your cost of capital is 15%, but you're only earning 10% return on that money, well, you are not creating value. You're destroying value. So your strategy has to drive a rate of return in your business that exceeds the cost of capital. That's pillar number one. Pillar number two is that the value of a company depends on who's managing it and the strategy they pursue. And so if you think about venture capital or private equity, a lot of times these folks will invest in companies because of the teams that are in place or because they're betting on a particular founder. And that's really important because the company's value is highly dependent on who's managing it because you have a terrible management team. Well, they can destroy the value of the business very easily by pursuing a bad strategy or just by engaging in bad management tactics. So that's pillar number two. Pillar number three is that value is not created by rearranging investors' claims on future cash flows. Thus, any activity that does not increase cash flow through improving revenue or returns on capital does not create value. If you restructure a business, if you pay off debt, if you get more equity, if you mess around with the capital structure of the business, it does not create value. Only generating more cash flow creates value. Very important. Number four, a company's performance in the stock market is based on the market's expectations, not actual performance. Sometimes the stock market does wacky things. So that's how a company performs in the marketplace, in the stock market. And sometimes it doesn't match reality, which is good news because that's when you can make money in the stock market when there's this variance. But that's number four that I wanted to point out is that sometimes a value of a company is based on perception or expectations of future performance instead of the actual performance. So that's really important to understand. Those are the four pillars of value creation. Let's keep moving on. And then I'm going to drive home this point here. And so hopefully you have a high level understanding of how strategy and finance come together to drive greater value. So stick with me here. I know this is kind of a lot. I get that. You may have to re-listen to this episode or just try to soak in as much as you can and then keep following future episodes and then it'll start to click and make sense. This is the exact stuff I teach in the accelerator program. So I don't expect you to just like pick it up by listening to this podcast. Sometimes it's helpful to see a visual of everything that I'm talking about. This is the stuff that we go over in the accelerator program, but I want to provide you this information just for free. Okay. So keep following along. All right. The essence of value creation comes down to this. If you look at the two main drivers of value creation, it's revenue growth and it's return on invested capital. Okay, so it's how fast can you grow your top line, your revenue, and then it's your return on invested capital. Remember, that's the return that you're earning on the capital that's provided by people that give you debt or they give you equity in order to raise cash to grow your business. Those two things drive cash flow. Now, cash flow combined with the cost of capital ultimately equals value. So there's a formula for this. So when you look at the perpetuity growth model, I'm going to get really nerdy here on you. If you look at that formula, which helps to measure value of an asset, the formula is broken down by these components. It's free cash flow times one plus growth divided by your cost of capital minus growth. And that ultimately determines the value of an asset into perpetuity. Now you may be like, Steve, what the heck are you talking about? 
Calm down. It's just a podcast. I know. Okay. I get a little excited here. What I want you to understand from that formula is not necessarily, okay, what's the denominator? What's the numerator? I'm not trying to test you here. I want you to understand the components, what I just said. Number one, free cash flow. Remember, strategy is all about driving profits with a competitive advantage, which will ultimately lead to free cash flow if you can manage your working capital and your capital expenditures. But in that formula, you have free cash flow, you have growth, and you have your cost of capital. So that goes back to what I just said, revenue growth and your cost of capital. So we have three things here, free cash flow, growth, and your cost of capital. So let's ignore free cash flow here for a minute and let's just focus on growth and your cost of capital. Well, if I break it down even further, your return on capital is determined by two things, your ability to earn price premiums and cost and capital efficiencies. In revenue growth, there's sources of growth, like entering new markets with new products, convincing existing customers to buy more products, attracting new customers, doing M&A, product promotion and pricing. All those things will drive growth. So those are your three things, earning price premiums, cost of capital efficiencies, and sources of growth. And those things will ultimately create this multiple and that's your accelerant for driving value. So you have free cash flow and then your ability to drive growth and your return on capital will ultimately determine the value of your business. And that's where strategy and finance intersect. In other words, what I'm saying here is your firm's ability to drive greater free cash flows will have a massive impact on the value of your firm. So how do you do that? That's where it comes down to strategy. With strategy, you're ultimately trying to determine how can you capture price premiums, meaning how can you charge more for your products and services, and or how can you achieve cost and capital efficiencies? And then the other piece is growth. So with the strategy, either you're trying to outgrow your competitors by growing faster than them, scaling really quickly, you're trying to charge more for your products and services, or you're trying to put in place a cost structure which allows you to offer the same products and services to your customers for less than your competitors. Let me give you a few examples here. Think of companies that can garner price premiums. So think about some of the luxury brands, Louis Vuitton, Prada, Porsche, Morton Steakhouse. There are a ton of companies out there that are able to position themselves correctly in the market with their go-to-market strategy in a way where they're able to capture price premiums through a great brand, through a great customer experience, through perceived quality, through innovative products, whatever it may be, they're able to pursue a price premium. Now, if you can pursue a price premium strategy and cost of capital, then that's when you really put the fuel on the fire and you could accelerate value like crazy. However, it's not like Louis Vuitton is trying to be the lowest cost provider either because otherwise they'd be cutting corners, their quality would go to crap, and people wouldn't be paying a price premium on these luxury goods. Those are just examples of companies that are able to earn a price premium. Think about Disney, for example. You know, Disney charges what, like 150 bucks for a, a day pass to their amusement parks compared to like a Six Flags, but the experience is completely different. So you're willing to pay more for Disney because it's Disney. Disney has a strategy and they pursue all these different activities that makes the theme park magical and special. Their strategy helps them to choose 
which things they're going to do and which things they're not going to do in order to create this great comprehensive strategy, which delivers an excellent experience for people that go to their parks and therefore they're willing to pay a price premium. Okay. Let's move over to cost and capital efficiencies. Think about McDonald's. McDonald's has figured out a way to make the same hamburger and French fries all around the world. Okay. And they do it in a very cost effective manner. In fact, there's psychology behind their coloring scheme. So in their logo, their logo is made up of red and yellow. If you look at the psychology of those two colors, it means cheap. It means low cost. Same thing with Walmart. Walmart has figured out a way to be the low cost provider in its space through its logistics, through its technology, through its buying power, its scale, its geographical spread. All these things allow Walmart to compete on low cost versus Target they're able to compete on a different level and offer differentiated products compared to Walmart and therefore capture a price premium. So sure, Target wants to manage its cost, but they're not competing on a low cost strategy. In some businesses, they are all about revenue growth. When I worked for the FinTech, it's all about scale. Grow really quickly at all costs, even if you're losing money, in order to scale the business to capture customers and to just get your product in as many users' hands as possible, as quickly as possible. But those are really the three main areas that drive value, price premiums, cost of capital, and growth. And if you're able to charge more compared to your competitors, or do it for less, or grow your business in a scalable manner, not a linear manner, but in a scalable manner, then you're gonna be able to capture value through your strategy. So what am I saying here? Ultimately, strategy drives financial value because when you're making decisions on where you're going to compete and how you're going to compete and which activities you're going to perform based on that strategy, based on your operating model, based on all these things, ultimately, those strategies that you put in place in your business will drive price premiums, cost and capital efficiencies, or it will enable you to grow in a scalable manner. If you can do a combination of any of those three things, you're just adding fuel to the fire and you're accelerating your value. But most companies, they create a strategy and they ignore the financial side of that strategy. Number one, they don't understand how much capital is going to be required to actually execute that strategy successfully. That's a big miss. They don't have rolling forecast, which helps them to predict how the strategy will roll out and then they make adjustments along the way so they understand whether or not they're actually creating value off the strategy they're pursuing or they don't understand how their initiatives are aligned in order to garner price premiums, to improve costs and capital efficiencies, or to drive growth. When there's not a blueprint in place that considers the economics of strategy, then ultimately you just have a marketing plan and you're just crossing your fingers hoping that it'll work out. That's why you have to tie these two disciplines together. And that's why people think I'm crazy. Like I said in episode one, my family thought I was a complete weirdo because I was going back to school for an accounting and finance degree. But what they didn't understand is that I wanted to take my creative side, my strategic thinking, and I wanted to combine that with the economics of business, with the financial side of business, because that's how you're going to drive value and you're going to drive value with precision. 
And that's really what I'm about here. And that's what I wanted to discuss in this episode is how strategy drives financial value. Now you may be swimming in your head with all this information that I shared with you, but don't let it overwhelm you. Because like I said, this is just episode four. There are a ton of episodes that are coming your way. And I'm going to continuously talk about this same exact concept about how you drive value with strategy. This is just a primer. So if you got completely lost, that's fine. If you followed along, great. We're going to keep going deeper and deeper into this concept until you understand exactly how you can craft a strategy and ultimately how you could drive value with the decisions that you're making every single day in business. And that's why it's so important to have a process where you create a strategy, you're pursuing initiatives, you're measuring results every single month by analyzing the income statement, the balance sheet, the statement of cash flows, and key performance indicators, and you're making adjustments to ensure that you're earning returns on your capital at a rate that exceeds your cost of capital. Okay, that's enough. I'm going to stop hurting your head with all this finance talk. This is a really important concept that I want you to understand. Okay, always feel free to reach out to me, contact me if you have any questions at all. A great resource for you, remember, is that Boosting Your Financial IQ app. I always mention that because I think it's so critical for you to follow along with the app so you could gain access to other resources that are just going to enhance your financial intelligence. You may be thinking, I'm just a business owner. I'm a founder. I'm an entrepreneur. I don't need all this stuff. I'm going to leave it to my CFO or my accountant. Okay, you could do that, but don't you think it's a great idea to take control of your financial future as well? Don't you want to partner with your CFO or your controller so you can speak the same language, at least from a high level? You want to understand exactly how strategy and finance drive value for your organization. And I think this is an important concept for business owners, founders, CEOs, and P&L leaders. And in fact, everybody in their organization touches the financial performance of a company. And I think there needs to be some level of financial literacy at all levels of the organization, from the very top to the front line. Okay, so this is a very important concept. I'm gonna keep driving this home because I've seen too many companies put in place strategies and these strategies don't create value and they spend so much time, so much energy and they confuse people and it distracts everybody from the main point of the business, which is driving value. And then ultimately these businesses fail. I don't want that to happen to you. I want you to be very successful and I want you to fast track your way to success. If I would have known this stuff back in the day, oh my gosh, I would have been so much more successful and I would have avoided so many mistakes along my path. There you have it. That's how strategy drives financial value. Thanks for joining me for this very intense episode. We have many more coming your way, so I'm excited to launch those. So keep tuning in. And in the meantime, take care of yourself. Cheers. Hey, real quick, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have business questions and you want to be featured on this podcast, send me an email at contact at cultivar.com and either type out your question or send a video or voice recording stating your name, your location, and what's on your mind. If you want to increase your financial intelligence, be sure to check out my other podcast called Boosting Your Financial IQ. All right, you have new knowledge. Go out there and execute. And until next time, cheers. Hey, real quick, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have business questions and you want to be featured on this podcast, send me an email at contact at cultivar.com. 
and either type out your question or send a video or voice recording stating your name, your location, and what's on your mind. If you want to increase your financial intelligence, be sure to check out my other podcast called Boosting Your Financial IQ. All right, you have new knowledge. Go out there and execute. And until next time, cheers. Cheers.